Hey, Stephanie. Hey, Cody. Are you registered to vote? I absolutely am. It's incredibly important. Today is all about voting, politics, local elections, local erections. Cody, when is the last day in California that you can register to vote? October 19th? Yes. Is that correct? Ding, ding, ding. Ding, ding, pop quiz. I got that right. You are the winner. Well, listen, today is, we're going to be as unbiased as humanly possible that two people who have the same belief system can be. (laughs) But, you know, we did reach out to a few different people that were local running for various um, positions, positions, Positions. offices. And, you know, we sat down with one, Miss Jerry Becker. Yes. And, um... Again, we tried to keep it unbiased. It was just really interesting to talk to someone that one-on-one, two-on-one rather, uh, that is running for a political office in a local form. Um, you know, we reached out to other people. We, due to scheduling conflicts and what have you, we weren't able to talk to as many people as we had hoped, but it ended up being a really cool interview. It was. And due to COVID, it's harder to obviously schedule interviews and get people one-on-one face-to-face in a small space. So uh, we interviewed outside. I felt very safe about it. It was awesome. Um, as Cody mentioned, unfortunately, we weren't able to get anyone else, but I'm stoked off what we did get and yeah and you want to know the tea it's not that it's necessarily an endorsement from topa talk to jerry but she was a delight to talk to and beyond that we are going to talk about other people and f- including people that she's running against other people in different positions that they're running for we're trying to keep this as well-rounded as possible to keep as much information fresh and exciting so that people go out and actually vote it is so important we just want you guys to vote and we're trying to get this on your radar. Everyone should be getting sample ballots in the mail already. So you should have some information, at least at home. Um, a little research helps. And we're just kind of going to do an overview for you. So this is really specific to Ojai voters. Cheers to that. Hello. Tink. Tink. Awesome. So let's just dive right in. We're going to start off with human beings that you can vote for. I don't know why I said it like that. But human these beings. are not, not alien these people are not props. that are right. Oh, props. So we're starting off with... Um, there is an election going for the 37th district member of the state assembly. It's going to be Charles Cole versus Steve Bennett. Let me tell you a little bit about Steve Bennett, and then you could dive into Charles Cole. Charles Cole, Let's Stephanie. Do it. Steve Bennett is an independent local leader who is not afraid, in his own words, to stand up to powerful special interests to protect our quality of life, open spaces, and address climate change. Steve says, as an environmentalist, he protected Ventura County's open spaces and agricultural agricultural land from massive LA urban sprawl projects, using an innovative series of land use initiatives. As an experienced local educator and high school economics teacher, Steve says he is committed to securing funding that goes directly into our public classrooms. And as a Ventura County supervisor, Steve says that he brought physical discipline and balanced budgets to Ventura County, securing funding to bolster firefighting efforts and open a homeless shelter. Wow. Yeah, so okay. tell me a little bit about, about Cole. All right. So Charles Cole says that he's running for state assembly, having received the most votes in the March 3rd primary election. His top assembly priorities, in which he has written out in list form, are 100% support of our law enforcement and defense of the Second Amendment. <clears throat> he's opposed to any bills imposing anti-American indoctrination on California kids K through university schooling. He supports return to American civics education, support of individual health care choice, support mm. school choice and vouchers for schools safe from gangs. He is opposed to any new taxes while proposing a 33% reduction of the top businesses, property, 
Oh, I'm sorry. I skipped a line. Opposed. Sorry, guys. He's opposed <laughs> to any new taxes while proposing a 33% reduction of the top 10,000 state employee salaries using that savings to lower taxes on small businesses, property owners, and COVID-19 workers. Um, so, yeah, that's cold. Charles, there's more. There's more information. You could read more about him. Yeah, look it up if that interests you. Yeah. Um, what else do we have going on to vote for? Oh, you want to know some more election information? I sure do. We're also going to be voting for the Ojai Unified School District Board member, trustee in Area 4. Uh, it's going to be Michelle Shelley. She goes by Shelley Griffin versus Shiani Dry. Shiani? Chiani? Shiani? Shiani? Chiani? I, I see her signs everywhere. I love it. I know. her. Yeah, they're doing a great job. So, Cody, tell us a little bit about Shelley. 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 Let me tell you a little bit about Shelley. So Shelly is actually the current uh, trustee for Area 4. She is a third-generation member of the Ojai community. She spent decades supporting education in our valley, from being an active classroom volunteer and serving on the Ojai Friends of the Library Board to serving on the school board for the last four years with the past year as board president. She is passionate about shaping education to have a positive impact on our community. She is a former preschool teacher and teacher's aide in special education at Nordoff, and she understands the important role school board members have in supporting teachers and staff. She says that at this unprecedented time, we must continue to provide flexible learning options for families, support teachers in creating valuable learning experiences, and create facilities and school culture where kids feel safe and happy happily engaged in quality education so that's shelly she's holding it down right now shiani is going up against her cody give us some info absolutely so for miss shiani dry for the last three years she says that she worked in her community as an anti-racism educator working with local nonprofits, businesses and schools to help build more equitable and inclusive communities hmm. she says she's lived in ohio for about 10 years and has been a strong leader in the community. She states that she has spearheaded the development of support groups for teen parents in the Ojai Valley and has developed anti-racism curriculum that is now taught in four different parts of the county. She says that not only is she the parent of a child in our public schools, but she is the daughter of generations of public school educators. She states that this experience has led her to run for a seat on, their, on our school board with full confidence that she could bring positive change. She states that her campaign is built on a foundation of transparency, which allows her to advocate effectively for students, educators, and families. Even more, she says that her priority is to bring an equity lens to the, to the board so that our most vulnerable families and students are never left behind. In 2017, she co-founded a coalition called the Ohio Alliance for Education Equity for this exact reason, and she believes that community advocacy will build bridges for our community to engage with our district in meaningful ways. Perhaps she could teach me how to read because I struggled a <laughs> oh, bit I'm there. Oh, I'm really bad at reading. And it would have been so much fun to have all these people in the room interviewing them, asking them questions and diving in, don't you think? It would have, but there was a curveball this There's election named Miss Rona who just dipped in we, here. <laughs> What we made things hard. Just a little pandemic, just a sprinkle in there, <laughs> you know. <laughs> just a sprinkle of global pandemic. Okay, the next one is the mayor. The, the mayor. city of Ohio. Can I say? Mayor. Can I say this is only the third time in Ohio's history that a mayor has been elected. Typically, it's just plucked out of the Ohio City Council. So this is kind of a big deal. Really exciting. And for the previous two election periods, it was Johnny Johnson, and he's no longer running for mayor. So it's actually like 
brand new people, brand new faces. Fresh. Fresh, fresh, fresh. Fresh. So actually, there's a council member that is going up for mayor. His name is William Weirick. And there's a teacher, Miss Betsy Six. Um, So yeah, it's kind of interesting. You have someone that's already in the council. You have somebody that's not been involved in the council. And I think that's a fresh mix up for sure. Yeah. Cody, tell us a little bit about Betsy. So, Betsy, you may see her yellow signs all over town with just the name Betsy. No last name required. Almost like Madonna. I love it. She says, we have a lot going on right now. Our country is engaged in a significant and widespread social and political shift. (sighs) Betsy says that she has the expertise to balance the immediate demands of this critical moment while addressing long-term local objectives. As mayor, her goal is to focus on the water supply, fire readiness, climate change, and protecting our health during the pandemic. Betsy's a lifelong learner and teacher and graduated from Williams College with a degree in literature and received her master's degree in education from Stanford University. She currently teaches at Besant Hill School and previously taught at the OI Valley School and Thatcher School. Betsy is a skilled communicator, as she says, and has dedicated her life to service. She says that she is an active listener and understands that civil discourse is crucial. She hopes to bring a fresh perspective to our city government and will do the work to require to each of our community goals of equity, economic, and environmental sustainability sustainability, and water security. Betsy has lived in Ohio for 20 years, and her two sons grew up here, and her parents spent their final years here. She is grateful for what Ojai has given her family and wants to give back by serving Ojai as mayor if elected in. All right, Betsy. Okay, now we're moving on to William Warrick. Sorry, sir, if I got that wrong. Um, he's saying that when he first stood for council in 2014, and again, when he was honored by being elected to his second term in 2018, he emphasized his passion commitment towards applying his lifetime of i'm sorry i'm reading this in like the wrong term i'm just going to read it as he wrote it do you know what i mean yeah so these are all in his words they're not necessarily your thoughts i emphasize my passionate commitment towards applying my lifetime of academic public service and business experience towards the challenge of maintaining Ohio's unique character in the face of contemporary challenges all too common elsewhere our governance mentalities contributing to urban sprawl limited time horizon thinking and just go along rather than principal decision making not in Ohio. That is not what the citizens of this remarkable community expect or want. I renew my pledge for active council oversight of the city's services to our citizens, working with all involved to effectively apply our city's scarce resources, advocating for the vitality and sustainability of our entire Ojai Valley within which our exceptional community is embedded, and seeking intelligent ways to evolve our municipal code and city policies towards supporting responsible and diverse individuals initiatives across the entire cultural service and business spectrum with our income with our mayor announcing he is not running for another term i am asking for your vote to continue his example of balanced and effective leadership as council chair facilitating the overall quality and inclusiveness of council deliberations so those are two options for mayor, and it's interesting to brush up more about those two if you're able to. Very important, too. It's honestly very that's, important. That's a big one. And so, actually, I was just told by uh, – I was we were trying to get Betsy on the show, and she just let me know that they are going to be debating on Tuesday, and there will be a live feed for it. So we'll post more information about that in our stories. Tuesday is October 6th. She will be um, – they will be debating each other. Uh, mayor in Ohio, that's a big deal. 
Yeah, it's easy to get wrapped up in the um, the Biden versus Trump um, election. You may have heard of it. Have you heard of those names, Stephanie? Tr- uh, who? Um, Trump and, um, and uh, Biden. I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That rings a bell. No, but it's easy to get distracted by that for obvious reasons. That's pretty fucking major. But also, let's start local. We have to focus on who's running for mayor, who's running for council, who's running for all of these things. It's so important. So the next the next uh, election topic is going to be the city council member for District 4, which I actually live in. I live in District 4. So this they've just re- recently um, sectioned the city into districts. Mm-hmm. And so... It's the, such a large city. It, it's so it important. It sprawls. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just being um, funny. So actually, this person would be my city council member, which is actually really cool and super important. Um, it's going to be Jerry Becker versus Sousa Francina. And actually, I think we'll just let Jerry speak for herself. We brought her on the show um, to give a voice. Yeah. And, you know, to be honest with you, I wish we could have sat down with Sousa because there's not much information out there about her. And that's not, I'm not being any type of way. I'm just being serious. I mean, she's already on the council. So if you like how things are running, then please vote for her again. If you are hoping to have change that maybe Jerry presents later on in the episode, vote for her. But those are the two options. Sousa is a yoga teacher, animal lover, grandmother. human lover, grandmother, Ojai resident, a writer. writer. And um, so so that's the information that we have on Sousa. I think that if you are enjoying Ojai, her council membership should speak for itself. If you're hoping for a little bit of change that jerry presents later on the episode then that is something that's available to you as well via vote absolutely so we do have a few um props on the ballot this year we have about three that we get to vote for that are specific to not only our county but our city itself cody's going to get us started off with um prop k it's the ohio unified school district and prop k is to improve the quality of local schools modernize and renovate classrooms, restrooms, and facilities, upgrading outdated electrical, plumbing, and sewer systems, and make health, safety, and security improvements. Shall Ojai Unified School District's measure be adopted, authorizing 40... What is this number? 45 45 million? What is that number? I've never seen... $45 million of bonds at legal interest rates, generating an average of $2 million annually, while that's... That's two million. Two million annually, while bonds are outstanding with levies of approximately two point seven cents per hundred dollars. Assessed value, annual audits, no money for salaries, citizens' override, and no money to be taken out by the state. Question mark. I couldn't pronounce that number because I've never seen a number like that in my <laughs> bank account ever. So props are really confusing. It sounds like to me that the city of Ojai's school district would be taking out a $43 million loan to improve facilities for schools citywide. Um, It sounds like the bond would be interest-free. And there's also Prop O, which is for the county. And Prop O shall an ordinance to allow the commercial cultivation, processing, distribution, and sale of cannabis within the unincorporated area of Ventura County, limited to 500 acres for indoor general cannabis cultivation and 100 acres for indoor nursery cultivation, with sales allowed between licensed distributors, but not to the general public, and to impose a tax of 4% of gross receipts on general cannabis cultivation and 1% of gross receipts on cannabis nursery cultivation be adopted. 
So that's what that one is for. Stephanie, tell us a little bit about the next one, please. Awesome. So this is Measure G specific to Ojai. Um, Shall the measure be approved an immediate 3% tax on cannabis businesses, which will potentially add uh, anywhere between 465000 to uh, $1.5 million annually to fund general city services and approving authority for the city of Ojai to increase the tax on cannabis businesses up to 10% of gross receipts in the future until voters decide otherwise. Wonderful. And so now we are going to segue into speaking with Jerry Becker. Again, this is not supposed to be biased. This is who we were able to sit with because it fit within her schedule and ours. Sousa will be running up against her. Again, Sousa is already on the council. So if you have appreciated what Sousa has brought to this town of Ojai, she will be on the ballot and will appreciate your vote. Jerry is hoping to bring fresh new things and would appreciate your vote as well. So let's dive in and learn a little bit more about her as we sit and discuss. Absolutely. Let's do it. We are sitting here, very excited to be sitting here with Jerry Becker, who's running for the 4th District in the Ojai City Council. And this is your first campaign and your first election, correct? It is. That's so exciting. So thank you so much for joining us for this. We're so happy that you are here. And as we said in our intro, this is meant to be a very unbiased, you know, we, we're just here to provide information and get to know the people that are running locally a bit more. I was talking before we started recording about how a lot of focus is going on in um, the big campaign, the White House campaign and all that. And sometimes we forget to, to talk about the local things going on. So thank you so much for being here. You're so welcome. I'm so glad to be here. Awesome. Thank you, too. Very cool. So, Jerry, for those of those people who are listening that maybe don't know you as well, do you mind giving us just a little bit of background, um, how you got to where you are right now? Oh, wow. Well, um, I have been an Ojai resident for about 30 years and a California resident for most of my life. And um, I've been a, a attorney for 25 years, but currently I put my bar license inactive. And right now I'm practicing as a local real estate broker. And um, I, I've come to this spot. First of all, I'm not a seasoned politician. I am not a politician. And I got to the point where I realized I better take action instead of just sitting and not doing anything and reading the paper and talking to people and feeling hopeless or feeling like I wasn't making any change. So when a bunch of my neighbors, friends, and people that are in my district, we're districted now, I'm District 4, asked me to go ahead and run for this seat, um, I just I thought about it very deeply. Uh, it's not a easy task for me to do this because it's not my normal normal thing to do. And I decided that I had the skills and the background and the training to provide a really good option for people to vote for in this district for this race. And you've been living in Ohio for 26 years, right? About? About. I came down from San Francisco um, 30 years ago. And then um, at that point in time, my husband and I stayed. We, we kept our ties to Ojai, but we left for about three years because he was working where he was flying in and out of the airports. Mm-hmm. And at that point in time, I was primarily raising our children, our, our new babies. 
Yeah. So, yeah. And then we came back as soon as we possibly could. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we and love the valley. You know, according to the information I've read about you, the community is is really important to you, which is clear yes. for anybody that would be running for this community. Yes. Um, you you just said that, you know, your neighbors kind of encouraged you to perhaps run so that they could vote for someone like you. What what inspired your neighbors to suggest this to you? Why why do you think that they thought perhaps you would be a great option for city council? Well, most of the people were telling me that they do they do like my opponent but and i do too but they weren't feeling represented and they felt like her priorities were not in the right place at the right time um and i it's very interesting because i am on the same page as my opponent for many things um, including environmental issues and greening our city and going green going 100 percent electric is a great goal um but she was avoiding and it seemed to be not really addressing things like fire safety, which is a huge issue across our state right now. It's so just depressing and sad. And when I looked deeper into it, you know, I was just hearing these things that she really wasn't paying attention to fire safety as much as she should and that she really wasn't watching her priorities with spending because right now with COVID and where we're at with our reserves for the city, we're depleting them just so quickly that they were getting very, very concerned that she wasn't going to be the right voice for this upcoming period of, of representing the city council. So that was primarily what I was hearing, um, and that they knew me because I'm a business owner. I'm a small business owner. Um, every one of my family members is an entrepreneur. Uh, my daughter is an entrepreneur. My husband's an entrepreneur. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm very involved with our local businesses. And as you know, Ojai doesn't have any chain stores, which is beautiful and is part of our culture here in Ojai and why we all love it so much. It's like it shows our artists and our our ingenuity. Yeah. And I really want to support that. And yeah. So that's what I was mostly being driven to do this for. Yeah. And you're speaking to something that I think this entire podcast was built on when I started it in March of 2019. It was I looked around the county and said, holy shit, we have so many <laughs> incredible people like making their own mm -hmm. way. And to support that and create a, an environment with that can thrive is extremely important. Yes. Yeah. The environment is a really big deal. I know to Stephanie and I and so many other people that live here in Ojai. And uh, what are your what are your plans or call to action? What what would you feel inspired to do if you were to get on city council? How would you how would you be the voice of Mother Nature? <laughs> you know, I love that. Um, well, first of all, I am very very committed to turning our state is is committed as well, and our city is committed to becoming greenhouse gas free. So that's a goal, but there's also the realistic steps that we can take as a community that need to be very closely looked at instead of doing a blanket sort of what they call reach codes, which has become a big hot topic issue. And um, a lot of people don't really uh, know that our city is trying to implement electric, completely 100% electric appliances in all of our our residences. I didn't know that yeah, part. I heard about this. I feel mm -hmm. like I heard about this, and it, like they were rolling it out in certain communities of Ohio mm -hmm. with like lawnmowers. 
Correct. Right. Well, it's so interesting. I mean, it's been great for me to learn a little bit more extra. I mean, I already knew they were polluters, but when you look at how intensely they they pollute, that was shocking to me, actually. I knew it, but I didn't know how much. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, you're right, Stephanie. They are doing um, electric leaf blowers. That is a, a, a local code that we've enacted, which is great. And I'm in support of those things. But what is scary, I think, is like right now in terms of what we're about to face economically, um, a lot of people are, are truly suffering right now with their income being either cut back drastically or gone. It's, it's very scary for residents here who want to stay in town and want to keep their house and want to stay afloat, um, that we don't force them into converting some of their appliances or all of their appliances to the tune of like $50,000 or more just because a code has been enacted to be compliant with it in order to go 100% electric in the city. I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting and it's hard. It's a very complicated issue. I just think we don't need to force the citizens. I think we need to be very, very diligent about getting it out at the right time. Don't put the cart before the horse. Well, yeah, I think that's where you get a huge disconnect from a great idea to ordinary people. Correct. You know, it's this great idea for Ohio to go green, but how do the ordinary people like like me? I work in a service job right. where we're losing so much income. And like if I had um, a lawnmower that I've just had forever and I need it and it's reliable, like how would I upgrade right now? I couldn't. Right. So I think it's very interesting in creating programs that work with the community in a way that's more conversational and more educational. And yeah, I'm, I, I get what you mean with that for sure. You know, the economy has taken such a hit worldwide and we see it locally here in Ohio, which is devastating and you see it as well. And I know that real estate is a piece of the puzzle that creates right. Jerry. Um, mm-hmm. I have some friends that have specifically asked when they knew that I was sitting down to talk to people that were running for city council. And I know that this is something that you mentioned on your website and information as well about affordable housing. And, um, I would, is there any way you could elaborate on, on how we could make more affordable housing and more security in Ohio? Um, this is something I'm very passionate about. And one of the reasons that I've segued from being an attorney for 25 years and working in advocacy for, individuals and for disabled persons and children into real estate. And I am active right now with uh, our Ventura County Coastal Association of Realtors, very active through that. And one of the reasons I did it is because I get to go to Sacramento to lobby our politicians for affordable housing. Wow. And I, I'm very passionate about this. I have You can hear me. I'm a little bit frustrated Mm -hmm. at the lack of progress we've had in our city in terms of producing housing stock and affordable housing stock. Um, I've seen so many projects fail, and I'm going to just say it's because it's of yimbyism or nimbyism, excuse me, not in my backyardisms. And I, I get it. I want to keep our community thriving and lovely and as beautiful and culturally diverse as it is and is not. But I would like to actually promote more projects that will actually get these things built. 
They're shut down at the planning commission level. They're shut down at the council level. And unfortunately, what I overall arching see is that we have a small group of very loud individuals that organize and come and basically tell the council or the planning commission that they don't want this project to go forward. And they'll come up with good reasons, but I feel like it's bending the ear of our our council persons and um, committee persons to the point where we're not getting any projects through. I can't really tell you of the last time I've seen a project come through in Ohio. Are you talking about a building project? I am. Okay, so affordable housing in the sense of apartments or right. a neighborhood. I mean, we, a few years back, basically the council agreed to not allow over two stories. And that's one of the big things, like when we're trying to build affordably, just to build up, (laughs) build up, right. You know, you, you know, your footprint is your footprint, but if you can build up, you can put more units in. It's just a basic. Yeah. Yeah. I think Ojai is pigeonholed in this situation where they want everything to be cute and small and rustic and, and then everyone's crying about not having housing, but then it's, yeah, it is hard. I, I see how both sides are, are really tough. Well, I think we need to loosen up some of the, the codes. I mean, there's a lot of good green building practices that were, are getting caught in red tape. Oh. And I find that to be abhorrent. I don't like to see that there are really good and very motivated individuals that want to build out and now it's an economic thing too it's too it's so expensive to build and the more roadblocks we have time is money it's very true in this industry so when I've for instance tried to assist some people that were working with churches and temples and helping them to collaborate with grants and our state and different funds that they can use to bring to communities affordable housing with their expertise as builders and bringing projects forward to to show to our city that this is doable we've done this and they can show examples of where they've done it and then it it's they're basically cowed out like what I'm saying is like they'll bring the project and the the environment at these meetings is so hostile that they just pull out immediately because they're going to cut their losses and leave. Right, Right, because they can tell like the red tape is going to just go and go and go and go. Right, so the longer they're in escrow, the more surveys they do, the more studies they do, the more expensive it's going to get. So it's, 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 it's a hard thing. I just would like to encourage it instead of discourage it. And that's that's where I'm coming from. It's it's hard. I mean, and it's hard for me to wrap my mind around too because I am I'm an Ojai local myself. My family's been here forever. I love Ojai and I love the charm of it. And I love, um, I love you know how like you said that there's no chain stores and I love how sweet and charming it is. Yeah. But at the same time, it needs to be accessible, affordable, and livable as well so it's it's i'm always caught in this thing of like yes there should be buildings that have apartments and homes for people to to be able to live in but at the same time i would be devastated if there were like a skyscraper i know that's not what we're talking about but do you know what i mean i feel like i feel like that is what 
um, some people may feel like it could be a gateway towards as neon signs and skyscrapers and things like that. So how do you find that balance between perhaps pleasing people who want to keep the, the town cute and sweet, but also affordable to live in? How do you find that balance? You have to be very encouraging to developers and the people that have, we'll call it the purse strings or the money to come in and actually do a project. You have to be open to that. You have to help them with working through the process in a quicker manner. And you have to be, um, you know, watching over each of these projects so you don't have neon signs. Of course, we don't allow neon signs outside in Ojai, and we have the dark sky ordinances and so forth. Um, But you really need to watch the whole process. And maybe not saying limiting it to two stories, but maybe three stories in certain sections. You know, the city has identified some <coughs> areas for development, but there's there's plenty of other areas we could probably work on this and, and put something in that has a lot more um, homes. And I think as, as a segue to another thing that I read on your website was talking about how we can obviously switch from being so reliant on tourism mm-hmm. economy but here's the thing is if people can't live in ojai to work in ojai you can't mm-hmm. switch industries right because right now a lot of the working class that live in ojai work in an industry that we want to move away from so if you can't house people to create a new industry then how do you you know what i'm saying like i feel like those really are kind of connected they are they're very connected and I, I don't want to give tourism a black eye. I no, mean, of course not. I, I mean, mean let's, let's the be reason real. I, I mean, have a house that right. I live in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Ojai, <laughs> it, it, the history of Ojai, we've been a tourist economy. I mean, we go back to Wheeler Hot Springs. I mean, people, like, whatever, maybe they rode the horse across the United States. I don't know. But uh, that's <laughs> yeah. a little bit far yeah, back. No, but, yeah. um, <laughs> but we have, uh, we, we started with that. It drew people here, the healing springs. You know, and then yeah. we had the oaks at Ojai. You know, how fabulous was, was that? I know that it's devastating gorgeous. that it's it's shut down now after it the is. Thomas fire. It is. That was such a tragedy. But I'm so excited to see what it turns into. I know. I can't wait. It's going to hopefully be just a shining star again in our downtown. And, of course, we have the Ojai Valley Inn. And, I mean, I, it was eye-opening again as I'm doing this. It's kind of exciting for me on different I guess, nerdy levels because <laughs> um, I get to find out facts and things of our city that I wasn't you know, fully aware of the depth of them. So, for instance, talking to our city manager just to get an idea of truly, truly where we were at, where we were at, excuse me, with our budget. Mm-hmm. And he informed me about how much our revenue actually is based on tourism. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was shocking, you know, and that's our TOT transient occupancy tax for the hotels and our sales tax i mean the taxes alone the revenues to the city were like 70 percent. it's crazy so we can't shoot that in the foot and walk away from it and expect to survive we need to embrace it and our downtown businesses that are here that i hope are going to stay open and survive this horrible pandemic they need to be helped and given a leg up (laughs) yeah and we need to embrace that but i really really would like to see better stronger keep up with current technology wi-fi accessibility to the valley yes i think that's crucial to bringing new diverse businesses to town and if we do that 
you know, people can still, they'll still be able to live here and, and you know, work from home. And well, that's, yeah, that's especially with thing. children and uh, and adults not being able to be in school. Right. Accessible Wi-Fi is almost dire, necessary, right. for sure. Right. I mean, our, our online schools and our uh, remote learning schools are just thriving, and we need to support that. Um, I, I'm really excited also. I'll just kind of segue to a different thing that I'm excited about. I'm excited about the the new like idea and thoughts out there that's becoming more mainstream with landscaping and biodiversity and it's just it's just beautiful. I mean there's so many people that are moving to town that are very deep into this movement and I think we need to support that as a city and invite that in, which we are doing. Yes, as an agricultural town, regenerative agriculture will be yeah. one of the f- biggest things that we can do. There's actually, for any nerds out there like I, there's a lot of, um, re- there's a company, I can't remember it, but she, it's led by a woman who can help bridge the gap for farmers on trying to become regenerative in this valley, which is incredible. So It is great. Yeah. So, again, back to your affordable housing for service workers, it's just something I, I would plan on working on. I would be supporting that and pushing those agendas in our city as a council person so i'm really really hoping to to okay some voice you brought some notes with you today we thought we'd go over a couple of the california props maybe even the local ones that are on the ballot but any any that jump out to you i think what we also want to accomplish with this podcast today is to really encourage people to vote and and maybe we'll talk about that prop on there sure so I have a feeling, and I get this weird feeling that the youth are just not engaged or are, are disengaged or are not wanting to vote, and, like, I'm scared by that. Mm-hmm. I want every single person who can vote to vote, and that's why I'm super excited about this prop. What what number is it? 18, I so believe. 18. Jerry, yes. do you mind giving us a little overview on that? Sure, sure. So it's actually a constitutional amendment here in California, and it allows, and I'm you can help me out here because I was reading this and sometimes you're reading these things and you're going, wait, wait, let yeah. me read that again. They're complicated. The, they are I so complicated. I have them pulled up on my phone right now. I hope you don't think I'm on Instagram. No. I have them. <laughs> <Not> <laughs> I have it up here so, because they're complicated and that's why right. the yeah. propositions get left behind a lot, you know? So Exactly. And they're double negatives and yeah. you're like reading the pros and cons and they sound like they're saying the same thing. So with 18, I believe what we are asking is whether or not... 17-year-olds shall be permitted to vote in primaries and special elections if they will turn 18 by the date of the next general election. Right. So if you're 17 on January 1st, right? And when is our primary? March? No. Our primary this year was earlier in the year. Or no, it was actually last November, right? Gosh. I I forget when the primary is. But anyway, so let's say you're 17 when... We're very first voting for, you know, the presidential election. Let's just use it right. for a good example. Right. So by November 3rd this year, as long as you're 18, you would get to vote in the primaries. That's the way I read it. That is the way it, yeah, that's the way I read right. it too, which is incredible because it's giving you an opportunity, you as a 17-year-old, as an opportunity to have your voice heard because it needs to be heard again mm-hmm. in November. And on Proposition 18, to vote yes would mean that you agree that there should be 17-year-olds that can participate in the primary and special elections if they'll be 18 in the next general election. To vote no on Proposition 18 would mean that the law wouldn't change in the Constitution and no one under the year of 18, no one under the 
Eight, I can't talk. No one under, <laughs> should I be allowed to vote if I can't put together a sentence? Yes, you should. Yes, I should. And I will be, and I will certainly be voting. But um, to vote no would mean that you must be 18 to vote in any kind of election. So that's what that proposition is about. What are your thoughts on that one? Well, I'm. this is a hard one for me, and I'll tell you why. I read a lot about brain development, and it kind of goes into prison reform thoughts and uh, juvenile uh, courts, which I have worked in, and I've worked in the San Francisco Public Defender's Office, and the full formation of our minds and our brains and reasoning. And I know that sounds very drastic, but you may have seen this in headlines that you know researchers and the, he- the leading researchers on on brain development that really truly around 24 you're you're about yeah you're about done you're about cooked and you're you're set so i have that swimming around in the back of my old brain and then i also think about the right to contract you have to be at least 18 it's a bright line you have to be 18 to have a legal contract um, you have to be 18 to serve, I believe, still, unless they're allowing 17-year-olds now. I haven't looked at the armed services recently. Um, so there's a lot of things that peop- we have as a society, like put that bright line out there of being 18 years old. But Stephanie, when you said at the beginning, this is why I'm, I'm wavering, and that's my whole thing. I listen to people. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm trained in this. It's funny. On some of the boards I serve, people yeah. will be uh, astounded because I will switch over thinking if there's a better logical Which is good. I process. think you should be open to change and in information. I love that. I'm the same way. So, I'm like, I'm excited about it. I'm energized by it. But like, right. I could hear new information and be like, oh, maybe it's not maybe great. Maybe I should rethink that. I so, think it energizes the young voter. It empowers them to be involved in our right. political system. I right. think that they're most likely still in high school. Mm-hmm. So they're involved with teachers. They're talking about it in an educated manner. In in my opinion, like, you know, when a general election came and I was still in high school, I remember my history teachers would be talking about it. My political science teacher would be talking about it. Mm -hmm. It was definitely an open conversation to have. Mm -hmm. And um, I also think that we start getting involved with the government at what age? 15 and a half, 16. We get our license at 16. We're allowed to drive alone. Um, I think that it just is really empowering to the youth. And I think the people that would want to vote would be mm-hmm. energized by it. And it would, like, help get people involved. Well, what's persuading me with what you're saying is that you're energizing the youth to vote. And frankly, I thrive on uh, my little pod unit that yeah. we've been COVIDly living in. And there's a number of 20-year-old voices there. And I'm learning so much from them, and I love it, and I love the diversity of what our conversations have in my household. Yeah. And so I, I really, really enjoy knowing that that group of voters would be encouraged to vote and be involved. And if this would do that, then I would vote yes on that. Yeah. To encourage that vote. Um, I'm, I, I guess, I mean, I'm, I'm so torn. You can yeah, hear it. It's can. really hard for me. <laughs> yeah. I do like bright lines. It's easier. It's yeah. easier to administer. Um, I, what I don't understand, and this is my ignorance here, is I don't understand if you're 18 the the day before the general election, 
Is that saying you're disallowed to vote? No. You can vote then, I believe. Yeah, in the general election, but your voice will not have been heard in the beginning of the vote. So like in the beginning of the year, we were voting on who was was the Democratic Party going to put forward, right? right? Well, that was huge last election cycle, I believe. Exactly. Was huge. So that is the vote that I think is important for 17-year-olds to be able Uh to be involved with because they're going to have to vote when they're 18. Yes. So it's like... I don't have any say on who I'm going to get to vote for in, in November, but everyone else does. Yeah, that's painful. So that's kind of like it gives them some empowerment, some like – because sometimes I feel like people throw their hands up because they're like, I there's no point in vo- voting. My voice isn't going to be heard. Da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. So if you are on that cusp of like you're 17 when everyone's voting for who you're going to get to vote for when you right. finally are 18, it's kind of like, well, I don't – what this is stupid. I right. don't have any choice in that it's matter. It's part of the process is what you're saying. That right. it should be – you should include everybody in the, the initial stages of the weeding out, yeah. if you will, of candidates. And the truth is, is that I believe in, as we said, energizing young voters. Um, I I am – like you said, you you kind of sway a little bit. I'm – I'm pretty firm on one side of it, but I could be, I like to always play devil's advocate in my mind because I'm thinking back when I was 17 and 18 thinking, good Lord, what were my priorities? Then again, the um, stakes weren't as high as they are today. And I think that generally speaking, people that age are more involved than I was. I was thinking about Jersey Shore. I was thinking about, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It was a different world back then. And I think that the world right. is, has changed and we have to give that some respect. There's a lot more accessible information for people right. that age. And so right. while on one hand, I believe, oh gosh, was I even able to, to think about that? Then again, like you said, yes, if you're going, if you are going to vote in the general election, um, chances are if you are turning 18 in between that primary and that general election and you'd like to vote in the primary because you're thinking ahead of that general to that general election, you are mature enough to make that vote, in my opinion, because if you are thinking like that and you're thinking ahead and you're energized to vote and you believe in something in the general election and you want that primary vote so that your belief can make it to that election. Yeah. I mean, they're yeah. not watching Jersey Shore like I was back right. then. They've and that's the truth. outside and gone over and voted. They've gone outside, right. gone over right. and voted. <laughs> and honestly, True. and honestly, um, again, to just kind of play devil's advocate here, it's like, what's the difference between that small chunk of change in between 17 and 18, those few months in between the general election? What's the difference of um, brain development? You know what I mean? What's, yes. Where's the difference yes. there of, of those months? It's, I could see if it was like 17 year olds could vote for an election that they'd be voting for at 25. You'd right. think, Oh gosh, things change. But yeah. brain development is, is, uh, there's not a lot of change yeah, in between it's 17 and 18. a little bit of a weak leg, isn't it? You're Do right. you know what I mean? Yes. But no, it's not necessarily that it's a weak leg. It's like your no. gut went there first. You can't help that. So it's like, it's right. not a My bad. gut don't, that went there don't. making fun of myself well, at that age. Where <laughs> yeah. was my brain development? <laughs> My I'm not even God. speaking of what I was doing at that age. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh-oh. But, but Uh-oh. the truth, but the truth is, I think, I think maybe, maybe I am only focusing on um, the wrong kind of hopeful youth. But I feel like people are a lot. I feel like the that age is a lot more with it than I was at that age, which was right. ten years ago, eleven years ago. Uh, and you know, I'm much older. And I mean, <laughs> to um, 
to even go further on that, you know, I was probably shielded so much oh my God, more yeah. than today's current 18 and 17 year olds. Right. The information Your they're getting these could days. Just turn off the TV and right. then there you don't have it. Right. No I'd, radio. Then maybe you go grab a newspaper and that was yeah. about Kids it. have TVs and computers in their hand in their right. pocket 24 seven. Right. Do you know what I mean? And so it's like the information is yeah. whether, whether it's real or not, right. it's there. You two have really started to persuade me. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I'm curious. I love what you were saying about, you know, you're in your COVID pod. I know your children. Um, I understand you are in a diverse, like the conversations I'm sure have been co- like all over the board. And mm-hmm. I, I love that you are open to all of that. And I noticed that on your website, um, one of the first things you kind of say is that like you're LGBT, oh God, fucking A. Um, it's, it's BLT. It's BLAT <laughs> if there's BLT avocado. Plus. LGBTQ like plus, which I'm part of that alphabet. And you say that you advocate for children's right, women's right, LGBTQ plus rights, social and economic justice. Stephanie's bringing up LGBTQ plus. How do you advocate for us? I say us because I'm in it. How do I advocate for you? Well, I, this could go way back, and I've got a lot of different things I could talk to about that. But um, I guess, you know, actually my girls were asking me, for instance, what do you mean? What have you done? Have you have you marched? Have you done this and that? Out of girls. And yep, yep. <laughs> yeah, they always, you know, there's no escaping it in my household. And so I, I pulled back and I went, you know what? The last time I marched was down Market Street in San Francisco. And Ooh. that was years and years ago. And I, well, I went to law school for several reasons because back then it was rather different for women in divorce situations. So that's kind of where I started going in there. And then in school, I ended up in a couple of really fabulous classes that were on women's rights and sexual rights and sex sex worker rights. And I got so entrenched in it and I just was really activated. I was the only straight woman in the class, which was great because it really opened my eyes. Wow. And I realized that the conflict and the power struggle over women's bodies and what they could and couldn't do with it was so profound, especially with the sex workers in the city. And I, I really, I felt like that, that just, it's so basic. You know, don't tell me what to do. Yeah. <laughs> this is my body. This is my only skin I get. You know, this is who I am. And I get to do what I feel is right for me. I don't want anybody telling me otherwise, and I don't want them charging me for it. And I don't want them to tax me for it. And I don't want them, you know, if it's a legit business, which is what I was back basically marching for back then, fine. You know, legitimize it. Don't shame me. Right. You know, let me let me do what I can do and what I feel like doing. Yeah. Um, and I'm not hurting anybody else. Right. And it's, it was a commodity. It was just, it's kind of gross when you break it down, what people do with these rights. I don't like to be a commodity. And I, I can only empathize with people that have gone through a lot of oppression. And I really, I just, that, that was really eye opening. I guess that was the most profound piece of it is just, talking to these people and then going to some of the more exciting rallies for it. And uh, I was, I don't know if I should drop her name or not, but uh, um, a very, um, at that time, it was a very interesting lady, Annie Sprinkle. (laughs) 
And I would go to her performance pieces and her talks at City Hall and, you know, we would we would march. Amazing. And I, I loved her. I thought she was right on. And she's a she's a political a political activist. And to this day, I feel strongly about calling myself a feminist. Yeah. And so. I think it's important for us as voters and just anyone that that you dig a little deeper, you know, like when we saw that you say you support LGBTQ plus, it's like, that's great. But how and why it, and when? And yeah, you know. and there's so much more. There's yeah. so much more. And I mean, I, you know, just if you want to be in a, a committed relationship and you want to go into the guise of marriage, which to me, it's a business relationship. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. You know, that's why Cody's not going to do it. That's why I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I don't like commitment to business. You know, <laughs> no, I, I, and I love my husband. I really love him. I'm committed. And we agreed to be committed. And understanding the laws that we all live in to be committed in a, a marriage. I think everybody should be able to do that. If they choose to marry, they should be able to do it. And that I know has been, you know, put out there and gone around and round in circles in the legal communities and different states have different laws. And I, I just, I feel strongly on personal choice. Yeah, I have to agree with you. I know I joke that, and we joke that I don't believe in marriage, but I do believe in marriage. I don't believe it for myself, but I want anybody to be able to marry who they love, Mm -hmm. no matter what their sexual orientation, gender expression is. I think that you should be able to be married, and um, I agree with you there. And I think it sounds like, to me, as a listener of what you were just saying, you know, being so involved with women's rights and stuff, um, it, it... it falls under the same umbrella with, in my opinion, and of course, correct me if I'm wrong, I would hate to assume anything, but it falls under the same umbrella of women's rights and rights of your body and rights of your choices in your life um, with people of color, LGBT. Yes. Um, it, to me, as a listener, feels like that all is under the same umbrella because at the end of the day, who exactly is controlling people's rights and for what reason? And for what reason? And what kind of control and power do you want from that? Yeah, it's gross. Yeah. Not have, into it. Yeah, and you have to look at what are we trying to control? What are we going after? What value is being um, talked about? You know, what, I guess, I said commodity, I like to use that, is the government trying to take? Right, and when you look in the rooms of who's making the decisions and there's not one single female in the room, Representation it's just ridiculous. Is a big piece of it well jerry i'm loving this conversation uh, thank you so much for being here today we really appreciate so it lovely thank you and thank you do and you have anything for the people that are on the fence about voting at all like why vote why yes give oh, it to them that sounds stupid but it like i have stupid, i have people in my life who do not vote no matter how much i try to rattle it in their brains to vote and how important it is talk to them oh wow oh gosh you know this this is your power you need to get involved. You need to see if you even go outside, you've probably seen people <laughs> with signs, with stickers. Look into it. If you haven't, open a newspaper, watch the news, see what's going on out there. I mean, there's change going on right now, right now. And we have so much more and power locally. And locally, you know, there's so much on our ballot right now, and there's so many things that we need to really pay attention to part of it is maybe even going back and watching some of the recordings of going ons in our government some of the council meetings and just see for yourself if you like what you're seeing if you don't like what you're seeing 
voting is the only way you're going to change it. It's the most so, powerful shit. form of protesting yep. what you don't agree with. It's the most powerful form of advocating what you do agree with. Right. I think that if you're able to vote, it's foolish not to. And I'm speaking directly to the people in my life. There's one person in particular who will not <laughs> vote, and it drives me wild. It's so important. I'm a history nerd. You you want to be on the side of history that you believe in, and you want to yeah. look back one day and say, at least I tried or I helped right. make that happen. And that is a powerful feeling to have one day, whether that's tomorrow, the day after the election, or 50 years from now. It's so important to vote. So I hope everybody listening Ditto. to this takes it, it so seriously. Thank, Thank you. you so much, Jerry. Thank, Thank you, Jerry. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. 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 Awesome. Cody, Jerry was great. Yeah, that was really cool to get to know someone who is hoping to be in a position like that. Yeah. I don't think I've ever talked to someone who um you who know is what? like that. Me either, actually. This so has been cool. It's I I encourage if I could if I could pass along anything that I just learned from that experience, it is to encourage you, the listener, anybody who is interested in politics and cares about where they live in their future to get involved and reach out and ask questions, get answers and, and communicate. These people are not unreachable and they're not meant to be. They're meant to be very accessible and talk to you, read their websites. If you can't find a website, DM them on Instagram. Like there's, there's way to get connected, learn about these people, make smart decisions, listen to your inner gut. I don't know. Like I plan on reaching out to Suze as well. Though we couldn't sit down with an interview, it's so important to get to know these people, especially so locally. Absolutely. And in a small town with 8,000 people, like change can be felt quickly. Change I'm excited. Change can be felt, and politicians can be accessible in a community this small, and that's important. And truly a privilege of living in a small t- community. And Absolutely. That's the truth. We want everyone that can vote to go out and vote. Please vote. Please vote. Please vote. If you need a stamp, holler at your girl. What's if a you stamp? need a stamp to send in your ballot. Oh, um, there's drop off locations. Check out our Instagram. We'll always be blasting information about how to vote easily in Ventura County, Ohio specifically. Yeah. Um, thank you so much. Go out and vote. Go out and vote. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Cowboy voting. <laughs> okay, Casey okay. Musgraves. Okay. Work. <laughs> Bye.